Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I am authorized to assure you that so far there is no reasonable cause for alarm. The rumors of invading armies and mass destruction are based on hysteria and are absolutely false. I repeat, these rumors are absolutely false. Welcome to ThoughtSpeak, a podcast dedicated to the discussion of Kay Applegate's 1996 book series, Animorphs. My name is Coleman. And my name is Mitchell. And tonight, we have a wonderful treat for you, because we're talking book 32, The Separation, and uh, it's a book that neither of us had read. And No, I'd heard a lot about this book. A oh, lot. yeah. Yeah, we're going to dissect it quite thoroughly. Uh, but first, <laughs> we want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by our Patreon subscribers. And we will take a little bit of time here just to thank them in no particular order. First, we got Spencer. Thank you. Empathic Twitch. Thank you. Dan. Good old Dan. Helio. Thank you, Helio. Helio. Uh, ben Freeman. Thank you. David C. Thanks. David C. Good. Uh, <laughs> Jennifer Baker, thank you. Longtime subscriber. Long time at this point. Uh, James Miola. Thank you. Grace. Good talking to you, Grace. Dominic Aheen. Thank you very much, Dominic. Uh, we've also got Kendra. Kendra, thank you for being a subscriber. And Dan Zander. Dan Zander. Thank you. Dan Zander. Triple X. <laughs> Daniel Martinoli. Thank you for being a subscriber. Nita Labrada Gaffaro. Thank you very much. And Michael Blomecki. Uh, gotta get some clarification on that last name pronunciation. Me too. I'm, I'm sure we're butchering it, and we apologize every time. Uh, Sorrent Joyce. Thank you so much. Sorrent Joyce, uh, recent subscriber, and also our uh, highest build and only human controller level subscriber. Just want to give you uh, special props for that. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Yeah. Major thanks. So tonight, as you said, we're talking about the separation. And I do want to take a minute, since we just got done thanking our Patreon subscribers, uh, to give a shout-out to everybody who made it to the exclusive Patreon chat. Um, oh, it was a wonderful like, time. Oh, uh, it, was, it was great. We all got into the chat room and, um, you know. I, 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 we shouldn't say we the, all. Uh, uh, we had, I think, nine or ten people invited and... Uh, we had a really good turnout, actually. I, I think there was at least six, six. or seven, maybe. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, the rest of you who weren't able to make it out, I don't know if you missed the email or uh, just weren't able to attend. Um, but We please. did get one or two messages saying yeah, that they just they just missed it or it just didn't work out timing. We'll try to give more um, warning before the next one. Sure, yeah. We've, gotten, yeah. Uh, we, we've gotten a better idea of when we want to do this and what works for us. And we're just trying to hit that uh, about an hour deadline for, for having this chat. Uh, the first one, because we covered two books, we went a little extra and we talked for about... An hour and a half. Um, but I think everybody had fun, and we're really looking forward to the next one. Yeah, so if you want to be a part of that or just get any of the rewards that we offer, uh, check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash thoughtspeak. Uh, incredibly 
helpful to us. Really helps us pay for the show and the hosting of everything. We're about to build a new website and everything, and all of that costs money. So to keep putting that content and to put it out much quicker than we have in the past, uh, we've really appreciated Patreon and what it what it helps us do. So check absolutely, that out. See if any of the rewards are interesting to you, and and uh, hope to see you on there. This is uh, we we chatted a little bit about this before we started recording, but this is kind of a new era for the Thoughtspeak podcast, uh, taking it to the Patreon level. Uh, we're, we're finally going to be able to rework the website and we're really excited about that. And it's going to be a, a major change in our, uh, workflow that we've, uh, established to this point, but with any luck, it's going to make it faster and easier for us to put out episodes. And that's what we all have to look forward to. Thank you, Patreon. Anyway, before we yeah. get into, uh, I, I just want to tool through the Reddit comments a little bit, but um, before we get into that, Coleman, uh, I, I'd be okay with you mentioning a little project uh, that you've been working on that you gave a shout out to on our Facebook page recently, but if you want to go into a little depth here and kind of tell people what it's about, go ahead. Oh, you, I didn't know you were going to put me on the spot like this, but I appreciate it. Um, I've been working for a while on... Um my animation skills um been wanting to produce something animated for a while and um something autobiographical but you know still entertaining um so uh i actually just launched my new web series it's called memory card an autobiographical web series um it's uh, you can find it on youtube or twitch uh just search either of those it'll come up immediately and i've just got the first episode up they're they're fairly short and uh, i want them to be just a little bursts of uh, stories, but they're uh, just all about gaming and relationships and um, just the minutia of life. So if if you think that's interesting, they're all kind of it's all pixel art animated. Um, Try to do some interesting, cool things with that. Uh, if that sounds interesting to you, if you're really into video games or anything like that, a ton of references we're going to make, especially in future episodes. So check that out. Yeah, like I said, it's on YouTube or Twitch. It's Memory Card, an autobiographical web series. And maybe, just maybe. We'll post a link to it on the ThoughtSpeak website if, if anybody visits that, which I'm inclined to think people do visit because we get lots of comments uh, on our discuss uh, kind of comment system there. Yeah, we do. Um, it always but, surprises yeah, me. <laughs> and the great thing is, too, uh, it's not just all about me. You will see Mitchell in the series. He's a, he's a regular character since he's a regular part of my life. Um so since yeah. the day we met mm-hmm. well that's when this takes place it takes place during our college years so um that's that's i think it's pretty cool if you like us you like our you want to see how we got started our origin story uh yeah check that out and let me know what you think it involves mopeds i'll say oh that's gonna be a whole episode don't you worry i sure hope so um okay diving into uh just a couple thoughts and uh comments here on our on our reddit discussion for the episode uh this is uh, the conspiracy that we're talking here uh reddit user free h2o says i don't agree that this didn't feel like a jake book the confident and powerful leader we know jake to be is how the other animorphs see him in his narrated books we are shown all his fear and self-doubt this was more extreme, but it felt a lot like number 11, where he had a breakdown when he had the time loop in the rainforest. <laughs> that just sounds like nonsense uh, uh, to somebody who probably is not familiar with the uh, yeah. series. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I disagree with him on that, because I, that book, you really got a sense of Jake coming into his own and his sense of duty and and him just taking on the reins of a leadership. And yeah, he had 
personal issues and he had struggled with that. But, oh man, I, I love uh, the book he described. And uh, I think it was number 12, whichever the Jaguar book was. But, 11, um, yeah. The Forgotten. Yeah, was, yeah, I forgot which one it was. Um, <laughs> well, it's often <laughs> forgotten, my friend. It's it's the Rainforest book. But I thought that the last Jake book, the one we read last, uh, last week or the week before, um, it, it was missing a lot of those qualities that I love the Jake books for. So that's that's kind of why I hit it a little hard. I don't know, dude. The last Jake book we had was uh, the the Krayak book, and you know that was it was a huge uh, world changing event for Jake. And um, the conspiracy was more of a like a daily life crisis sort of book, you know. Which is fine, but I still don't think I think he went a little too similar to what Marco was dealing with in the book before. Like, yeah, it's a family member, and yeah, he's going to go crazy. But I would have liked to have seen him react very differently than Marco did to a similar situation. Right. I, I, I would have liked to see enough. him try to apply his, like, typical leadership tactics and then, like, in the moment, you know, really mess it up all of a sudden and even surprise himself. Um, whereas, you know, he just started to break down and pretty much lose it right as soon as his dad was threatened. Yeah. Um, so. I, I just want to point out that Free H2O goes on to say that um, I know we like to rag on the Ghostwriters, but it would be interesting to hear what their experience with the series was like. Uh, you guys always ask interesting questions. Thank you. Like, how much did they know about the series? What kind of directions were they given? Did they struggle to write in these background characters they aren't familiar with? Um, we, we've heard Catherine and Michael's perspective on this, but it'd be cool to talk to the Ghostwriters. And I totally agree. Um, it, it would be super sweet if we could somehow, in some capacity, get them on the show or, or just have a little back and forth Q&A. If you are a ghostwriter or anybody <laughs> that worked for Scholastic or, or the Apple Gates during this time period, speak up, chime in, send us an email, be like, I was there to get the Apple Gates coffee in the morning and I heard them talk about you know, failed plot ideas or whatever, anything <laughs> that would be cool. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to reach out to some of these people too. I, I found a couple on Twitter and, um, I think, I think we can get them on the show. So I'm going to, I'm going to really try to see if we can lock one of those down. Wonderful. Yeah, you absolutely should. Um, doo -doo -doo. there, there's some, uh, other good discussions going on, on the Reddit page. I'll, I'll read one more from Howie snake. And uh, he says, thanks for getting back to the format. Woohoo! Great episode. I really enjoyed it. I was sitting there the whole episode thinking you guys missed the point of the book, in, in my opinion, until Mitchell chimed in and quoted it. I know. I saved the show. What's Coleman doing over there, dragging his feet? I'm just, I'm just talking. That's it. The point of the book uh, was that Jake has an old soul. And uh, that statement really hung in this person's mind. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, that was very much the point of the book is that war sucks so much that it puts uh, such a strain on our leaders that it mentally breaks them. And that is what Jake is starting to experience. And I say the point of the book was Kay Applegate just wanted to show how strong a dolphin can be in breaking you in half like a twig. So <laughs> sure. That's, that's what I think. That's um, my opinion. Yeah, dolphins, violent, um, aggressive, scourges of the sea. Uh, I, I, w I will say that while I'm poking around on R slash Animorphs, uh, it's really nice that when you go into a discussion, they uh, the, the much-talked-about uh, fan art of the month is hanging out on the sidebar there. It's just a nice little touch. Mm -hmm. Thank you. 
Uh, he actually <laughs> did. <laughs> so that uh, fan art contest, we just started uh, the next month, which is the um, theme is the chi. So send in your best chi drawings um, or animations or whatever you want to do. But um, with that one, he actually 3D recreated what he drew, what he sketched out. So I need to update it because uh, he, he did a really cool 3D render of an Andalite dome ship, which you, oh, don't, neat. you don't have a lot of pictures of those. No, no, and uh, certainly not too many um, fan recreations. Uh, so, yeah. yeah it's, it, it's good, too. He colored it, and it's, it's, it's good. Awesome. If you want to take a look at that cool, original drawing of an Andalite dome ship, it's available for your viewing pleasure on reddit.com slash r slash animorphs. Uh, so I think that's good. I think we should dive into the separation before people start to separate themselves from this episode. <laughs> before people start to cut themselves in half because they're not getting to the topic. Before somebody takes a shovel and gouges off one of their limbs and then it turns into a sentient evil being, that will happen if we don't start the episode now. <laughs> and uh, Well, I... I- Definitely want to jump right in talking about this cover. Oh, okay. Right away. My, my, my statement on the cover is this. This is not a cover that a 30-something-year-old man can carry around in public uh, and, and, and be deemed, you know, anything other than a pervert. Um, for, I mean, or just a weirdo. Just, just a weirdo. Reasons. <laughs> not only is it just weird uh, to be carrying around, yeah, a young girl in a bathing suit book that's <laughs> that like would be bad enough. absolutely that would be bad enough in and of itself but, but also <laughs> the the morph is so weird and so cringy it's just it's one of the worst morphs on the front of the book in the entire series they had to have her sitting in the most awkward way possible yeah just, oh absolutely um and you know and I, then the bathing suit is terrible I'm just saying. Yeah, I don't. I don't get too. what the uh, the design with the bathing suit was about. I think they just wanted to have some orange on it so that it blended better into an orange shaped creature. But um, I will say, the the partway in between morph, um, the second one over, where she's still mostly human but a little bit uh, uh, elongated, she looks a lot like she resembles. I don't know if you watch Steven Universe. Probably not. But no, she she, I, she looks like one of the characters named Peridot. I'll, I'll just say okay. that. She's got a weird-shaped head, kind of like Peridot. Um, so besides references to children's cartoons, uh, yeah, it's, it's a weird-looking cover. It's purple. It's, it's not got a whole lot going for it. It says, everything changes, but not quite like this. Well, good job, stock mark, uh, or <laughs> marketing team. You found a good stock quote there. Yeah, this is weird. Everything changes, but not quite like this. I mean, it's it's semi-relevant to the book, a little bit. Sure. Um, the inside cover, they tried again, but they failed <laughs> again. Because it's not in this, like, the starfish is not in this crack thing that she dropped her earring in. Um, and in fact, if she dropped her earring where she did uh, in this cover image, and then had to try and morph starfish to get to it, she's extraordinarily stupid yeah i mean waiting pools are a very like like they wouldn't even have to go out of their way to recreate what they did they could have recreated a tiding pool just as easily like it's i don't know it's little very little effort it's just a it's like some hole somebody dug in the sand right next to the ocean it's just dumb (laughs) 
Yeah, we're off to a wonderful start. Okay, I'm going to read the back of the book because if uh, you may recall, there there's probably some listeners out there that aren't reading these books along with us. Uh, maybe some of you haven't uh, read this particular book. Maybe you don't remember it. Um, so I'm And gonna... maybe we have some illiterate li- readers or listeners. We don't know. These are the questions we ask ourselves. Well, in, in case you didn't know what the separation was about, I'm going to hit you right now with the, uh, the back of the book. Rachel is falling apart, literally. Her newest morph has the ability to regenerate its limbs, but when Rachel demorphs, there's a lot more Rachel than when she started out. One more <laughs> Rachel, to be exact. Rachel's an okay person to have around, but two could be considered overkill. Especially two Rachels with a completely opposite personalities. One is pathetically weak, one is super strong, and super nasty. Nasty. Nasty woman. Now the Animorphs have to figure out a way to put Rachel back together again. Because if it's up to the twins, Rachel the weak will surrender to Visor 3. Rachel the super bold will try to single-handedly take him down. And twice the trouble may be twice as much as the other Animorphs and Axe can handle. Does sound like a sitcom premise not only does it sound like they went out of their way to make it really hammy but it's one of the longest descriptions they've given a book to really Mm -hmm. only summarize the inciting incident you know and i like how it um i like how it kind of it fits with the rest of the book in that they they never can really decide what to call these two Rachels. I mean, they, they do decide because they put it in bold at the top of each chapter. Oh, but, it's like the description, yes, was written before they come up with the actual terms that they use in the book. But even in the book, it's kind of like they keep calling them different things sometimes, and it's like they can't peg down a way to differentiate them. Uh, sure. Well, I think they just didn't want to use the same terms over and over again. Um, and And so, you know, they just did that to let us know which Rachel we were following. Uh, either way, this is a book where the only morph that's acquired is a dumb one, and it's used for a dumb purpose, and, (laughs) um, that's all I gotta say about that, but it is written by the Applegates themselves, uh, they came Mm -hmm. out of, uh, the retirement, so to speak, the retirement of writing, like, two other series, and, uh, (laughs) they, they did this, um, book, and just in talking about it, we'll, uh, we'll try to figure out why. I think I know why. Whether you want that at the beginning or during my review, I'll let you decide. Well, I don't know. We'll just come up when it feels natural. Um, okay. Just starting it out, the the inciting incidents that is described on the back of the book happens almost immediately. We get a little bit of recap. Uh, Rachel's talking about uh, how she's on a school field trip to the beach, and uh, she just she's just an idiot. And this book really drives that point home that Rachel's really not that smart. Now, do you do you think though, real quick to stop you here? Do you think the instance in this beginning where she morphs uh, in almost plain view? Do you think this matches the other times we've seen her be reckless by herself, or do you think this is like overkill for outside? how stupid it is? Yeah, is this outside the purview of how she's been written in the past, though? Well, no, because the point that they're always trying to stress is that Rachel is reckless and she doesn't put a whole lot of thought into her actions um, in, in like, you know, minute details and whatnot. Okay, Uh, so this is on character for Rachel. Sure. However, 
I, I just I just gotta say that her dropping her earring into the little crack in the the shallow pool, her getting the idea that oh there's a starfish in there I'll acquire it and I'll use the starfish to try and retrieve this earring, um, it's just in of in and of itself kind of a dumb idea. I I, I think they could have come up with maybe a better scenario uh, to, to get her into this starfish morph, if that's the way they want to have her cut in half, because, of course, that's immediately what happens. Uh, one of her classmates comes over and, and stabs her with a shovel while she's uh, morphing, morphed into starfish. And, you know, uh, one half of her demorphs immediately, the other one kind of flounders around for a little bit before demorphing, and because of this, uh, they, they demorph into two separate Rachels. Well, I'm gonna go. I'm going tangent heavy right at the beginning, but um, absolutely, this is kind have, of a I dumb premise. Absolute, I have an absolute great way they could have done this, where she more starfish. So you could have had her on the field trip. Could have had them like checking out, um, you know these these cliffs and these rockways, and she could have like they could have been like on some like middle level, like heading down to the tiny pools, and like she like is distracted or thinking about something or you could even make it kind of like personal she's dealing with or something had her like for some reason fall off the cliff like halfway down or whatever and no one sees and she falls and gets like seriously hurt like really badly hurt and the only animal close by would be this tidying pool that she just shoves her hand down into and then she has to morph into starfish to heal her human body that um, been cool. well, that, that wouldn't make sense because, um, they, they state that, uh, an injury that you sustain in, in your human body, um, doesn't go away if you morph an animal and then morph out of it. That's not true because it still just uses yeah, your is. DNA to come back to. No, it doesn't. Demorphing sure? won't heal an injury. They talk, remember they talk about, uh, one of the characters broken arm. What book have we seen that at in? one point? Um, uh, there, there was a book. I can't recall. I know Tobias. Tobias broke his. Tobias broke. No, 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 no. So this is what you're thinking. Tobias broke his wing in Megamorphs number two, and he tried to morph out of it to fix it, but it wouldn't work because they were in the past and something weird was happening. That's a big plot hole for book number two. Or for Wait a minute! Now, now you're bringing new I'm details sure into this, right. and it's getting more confusing. The way I remember it going down was uh, one of the characters, as a human, broke their arm as a result of uh, one of their battles or something, and uh, uh, wasn't able to morph his way or her way out of it. Um, maybe some of our listeners can can kind of chime in and <laughs> clarify what we're talking about here. It's been a while, obviously, since we've read <clears throat> some of the. Uh, beginning of the series books and and my mind's a little bit yeah. foggy on some of the minor details like that. You never know when we're going to need to recall a very specific instance of <laughs> the author's writing something, you know? Uh, yeah. Either cool. way, we were talking about how as a result of this, there there's now two Rachels and I got, I got a way of looking at this book that makes it a little bit more interesting. Okay. Let me okay, let me pitch ahead. let me pitch this tinfoil hat theory for you. Uh, uh, so Rachel demorphs here, and there's two of them, and then we are to believe that one Rachel is the 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 weak and the the nice one, and the other is the the mighty, crazy one. Um, tinfoil hat theory that never happened, and throughout this book, Rachel is just one Rachel, and this is her like mental breakdown presented in 
a way that she thinks it makes sense. Because this crazy whole, like, there's two me's, ah, like, it makes sense to her. We're getting it from her perspective. Um, but if, you know, my tinfoil hat theory holds any water, she's just one uh, person, this whole book. Everything she does is is her. Um, but it's it's just her mental breakdown and her switching between these two, like, unstable states of mind and uh i think that makes this book a little bit more interesting if you think it's like you know like fight club like that yeah Mm -hmm. that i think would be really sick um you know it's it's not really even implied um some of the timelines don't match up but really those are irrelevant um i think it'd be cool if, if that was the twist at the end where rachel was like oh i'm split in half and the other animorphs, or Jake, like, looks her dead in the eyes and, like, Rachel, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> there aren't <laughs> two of you. It's just you. Get your crap together. Um, I that think that would be, be awesome. really interesting. Yeah, that would be really cool. Um, just real quick, while you were discussing that, I went ahead and turned to our friends at the internet to see <laughs> if I was right. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> you had to look it up. I had to. Apparently, in book 42. And also mentioned in book 40. Whoa, 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 uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. We haven't gotten to those yet. Don't it's count. It's not going to spoil. It's not spoilers. Don't count. They don't count. We haven't read those yet. don't count. I was trying to recall something from the books that we'd read. And we haven't gotten to It doesn't to matter. Our, our discussion, our, no, our, our argument is over the fact that can morphine heal the normal body? Because I, I proposed a fictional alternative plot, which this would have been the book that introduced that if we hadn't gotten to 40 or 42 yet. <laughs> but apparently in book 42 or 40, uh, or it's mentioned in book 42, it's uh, Marco heals himself of rabies, apparently. What? And, um, yeah. Uh, Cut, ghost-written book. It's also, no, it's also mentioned in 40 and several other books, apparently. Ghost-written, all ghost-written. <laughs> Tobias is the only one in Megamorphs number two who, for some reason, because of the time travel, couldn't heal himself. Suck it. I will not put it anywhere near my <laughs> mouth. I think you're wrong, and I'm right. <laughs> uh, and I'm having too much fun just being a jerk about it. Okay, anyway. Okay. <laughs> uh, we're talking about things, double Rachels. Um, so, obviously, the two Rachels split up. One goes one way, and the other goes the other way. Uh, me and Rachel, right away, right off the bat, you get a sense that she's just nuts when she's like, I'm going to murder the kid that did this to me. That's what I imagine. <laughs> and I think they did try to put some thought into um, what what the different parts of your brain do. And if you were split down a certain line, like how would you deal without this section of your brain? How would you do with this? And I think that I heard somewhere uh, that they did do a little research into people who've actually lost parts of their brain and how they act in certain parts. So, this does seem super corny, but if you lost inhibitions or if you lost certain parts of your brain, uh, some of this some of this might actually be possible. Yeah, I think what? how much effort they put into like uh, when they morph a different animal, they actually do do quite a bit of research into like how that animal thinks and its instincts and things like that. And uh, I I I wouldn't think that they would um, go off the deep end um, with how they wrote these two parts. I think that's what interested them in writing this one in the first place. No, yeah, I agree with you on that. I think it was a lot of fun uh, watching me and Rachel be mean to everybody. Like, they, mm-hmm. they had a great time uh, uh, making this, you know, like, 
evil character basically out of her. Um, and it was fun. It was very fun in the first couple of chapters. I'll give them that. Uh, it, it trails off a little bit though, and that's gonna play into my review. Um, there's, there's a, they do a good job though. I will say of of showing her to be like this unstable, unable to plan ahead or think ahead, um, kind of volatile personality. Uh, I, I like how they go to great lengths to show her having this internal debate about her friends and stuff. So not only is Rachel uh, talking like a valley girl now, but. Uh, we've also got, you know, confirmation that she's thinking about things like kissing Tobias and which boys on the team are cute. And, uh, (laughs) it's just not the Rachel that we're used to, you know? And she's a welcome mat, basically, where even, I mean, kind of, I thought it was weirdly worded when she was talking about Bailey. She's like, I mean, if it would make him happy, I'd let him go out with me or whatever. Like, it's like... She just doesn't want any sort of confrontation whatsoever. So just complete opposite of Rachel we know. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the two Rachels go their separate ways here, and we're, we're really introduced to their, their personality changes and types because one of them chooses to hold up their obligation to Tobias and go flying with him, and the other one flakes out and goes to the mall and like ends up meeting Cassie there or something. Which I thought that was really interesting, the different parts of your personality that make you, that make the choices of your everyday life. I thought that was a good little spotlight on that. Uh yeah, I mean they had to they had to really differentiate them a lot. And I mean, these scenes pretty much give you everything you you need to know. Uh at the mall, nice Rachel uh gets bumped into by like some butchy girl in a store somewhere and <laughs> she is like scared to tears and runs away crying and and Cassie's immediately like what have you done with Rachel? <laughs> oh, I actually really liked uh both this scene and the scene that comes after with the rest of them where um Cassie's first reaction was Rachel don't hurt her. Just let it go. Like immediately like she knows her so well that she thinks she's going to fly off the handle. And um, I'll wait till you get to it. But sure, sure. I, I do want to yeah. say though uh, that on page twenty-two there is a, uh, a, a cultural reference here. To uh, well, let me just read it. Um, okay. Rachel says, "Me, I love shopping. I have a talent for it. You know the way Mozart could write music, or Shakespeare could write words, or the way Will Smith can be all cute. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it is with me and shopping. So." Was Will Smith at one point considered cute to like teenage girls? Oh, I'm sure. I mean, he was an icon. I'm I'm, I'm imagining him on like Fresh Prince, and you know, he was very personable and likable, and um, you know, charming to some extent. I didn't I didn't think he was the type that teen girls dreamed about or put up posters about. But. No, I think so because even in Fresh Prince, you got to think he was kind of a ladies' man, you know. Um, sure. But I think maybe when he was younger. And when he was rapping and stuff, he had... I'm sure he made the cover of a, a few teen magazines. Uh, but also very progressive of the book in 1996 to have uh, Rachel say that a black man is cute. That's that's kind of nice they threw that in there. <laughs> what, what, are you saying it's weird that a, a white girl could think that a black man is cute? No, I think that's absolutely normal. It's, it's not saying, weird. It's not weird at I'm all. Saying our, I'm saying our society uh, condemned... No, I agree. These these books time. are quite progressive uh, for yeah. for '90s children's books. Yeah, absolutely, and that's why we love them so. But uh, I believe the scene you wanted to mention was that um, mean Rachel who goes flying with Tobias and then like proves herself to be insane by 
letting her her eagle instincts take over and like no, gutting I, her, gutting a fish on the rock. <laughs> I also like that scene, but the scene I'm talking about is when they all meet up in the barn again. Oh um, no, we're not to that yet. Cool your jets. That's, cool that's your why I'm jets. not trying to not trying to jump ahead. Uh, but no, this next scene with Tobias and Rachel and um, they're flying. Her just not even. It's not even the eagle instincts. That's just how Tobias sees it. It's it's her the whole time. Uh, just you know, letting uh, go. Uh, she her her exact words were, "Hey Tobias, full eagle, ha ha!" <laughs> like she's <laughs> like, insane. Like the Mickey Mouse laugh at the end. That was nice. Ha ha! No, well, I mean, she literally, actually, that's how they write it in the book several times so (laughs) it's like i said this part of mean rachel is kind of fun to watch she's she's being crazy and she they go back to the mall mean rachel for some reason is included in the mall scene she goes there uh after being crazy to tobias and uh just full-on assaults like that that butchy bully girl um yeah (laughs) <laughs> which that, at that point you're like okay wait a minute this is not gonna be as fun as i thought and more like a, a train wreck that we're gonna watch pretty much well it's like half a train i don't know i've i've got very specific thoughts on this book which i'll hold off on for right now sure i mean it, and it's just so weird i mean like me and rachel's like i gotta go back to the mall now because i'm wearing girl clothes uh, she says, uh, th- this is so funny. She says, I needed something with a little more of an edge, man. I needed some leather. Yeah. Some black leather. That was it. Leather. <laughs> and, like, and I think you th- picture, this whole uh, thing was just a, a roller coaster of WTF. I, I mean, yes, it is. But also to hear Rachel say, uh, I hate them all. I don't know why I ever thought I liked it. The mall sucks. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah. That's no, funny. this is not Rachel. Uh, let's keep plotting along. I'm trying so hard to just keep everything bottled up right now, um, but <laughs> let's uh, let's keep keep going with the plot. There's so much I want to talk about, but I have to wait till my review. Uh absolutely. Well, anyway, after after they clearly differentiate these two, um, they they end up at the barn, yeah. And this is when Cassie's like, "Okay, team, something weird has happened to to Rachel." And no, this is the part I want to talk about that I liked because uh, <laughs> yeah. Cassie's like, Cassie's like, "Okay, this girl picked a fight with Rachel," and immediately all of them are like, "Oh my gosh, what did she do to him?" Like it was so it was really really well written in that uh, just they. They just jump right in, and they're like... Oh, yeah, okay? Jake, Jake instantly is like, what'd you do now, Rachel? Oh, my gosh. But it's it's specifically them worried that like she killed a guy or something. <laughs> um, another weird thing to say, though, is that uh, while, while nice Rachel's with them at the meeting, uh, she's kind of, you know, doing a little bit of the recap and talking about the people. And she's like, Jake was there. He's my cousin. He's cute. Kind of big. I mean, if we weren't cousins... And Marco was there, too. He's cute, too, in a different way. I would probably go out with him if he asked me. Um, confirmation right there of of some feelings and some of this tension between those two in past books. One of, uh, one uh, of many confirmations maybe, maybe that are coming up. Yeah, there, there are more confirmations coming up that, that Marco... If you want to ship any couple, Marco <laughs> and Rachel were an actual reality. Sure. Um, while Rachel and Tobias is more like the the dream or the perfect scenario for for those two. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the dialogue here, uh, I, I really enjoyed. I thought it was super funny. Like the whole dynamic between these two clearly different Rachels and the team. Um, it, you know, 
what does she say? Uh, <laughs> uh, Cassie is like still trying to drive the point home. And she says, Rachel, tell me what you said to me about Marco on the way over here. And she says, you mean that he was like funny? Oh my, <laughs> Jake whispered. Rachel, Cassie Press, what do you think of Marco's looks? I shrugged. I smiled. He's like, cute, all right. Marco sat down very suddenly <laughs> on the hastroon floor. Jake looked pale. This is unusual, X said in thought speak. <laughs> See, like, this is a really good scene. Like, a really well-written scene. And uh, I think, I think honestly, the, the parts of Rachel, they seem very wacky. And they seem very exaggerated. But wait, 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 wait. The, the scene gets even better. I just want to read the next, okay, the little ahead, next bit. Ahead, She's go up ahead. talking, Marco said, shaken. She said I was cute. She, she smiled at me. Axe, Jake said, and shot the Andalite a look. Flap! The, the tail blade is, you know, at her throat, of course. <laughs> they, like, immediately just are, this is some it makes sense. sorcery. Something, What's going something on Something is wrong. Yeah, something's really wrong. So it makes sense that they turn that way. But um, but if you think about Rachel's personality and the two halves, yes, the, the very meek version is, like, this valley girl. And the really uh, mean version is the psychopath. And I think... I think if you really melded those personalities together, you would get the Rachel we've seen, like a realistic person. I think what the book's trying to do, where it divides them into these separate personalities, you would be almost simple, because you're not, you're, how complex people are in our personalities and the different motives and stuff we have. If you took half of that away and only had these certain ones in a body, it would seem simplistic. It would seem uh single-minded in its motivations and things and i think these two halves honestly were realistic interpretations of what would come together and make a real person a unique personality that feels real to us um obviously it's exaggerated in some places but oh yeah sure um yeah but i will say i want to chime in tinfoil hat theory here one rachel and this is where she's had her breakdown and she's all weird her friends are confronting her about it all of a sudden, mean Rachel shows up on the scene. She comes to the barn, and it's a dynamic change. And the greatest thing about this book, I thought, is Marco's initial reaction upon seeing that there's two of them, Jake said. Uh, cool, Marco said, climbing to his feet. Now Tobias can have one, and I can have the other. <laughs> He's, of course, interrupted. Because uh, Rachel full on assaults him. And, and this is a recurring theme that mean Rachel does not like Marco in the slightest. Full on wants to murder him and then later like tie him up and whip him. She takes him a hostage later. Like, well, I think it, it, it fits it fits her personality or whatever, this mean Rachel, that uh, Marco makes yet another dumb joke. And her reaction is, you know, you'll have one of me, what? And then, like, you know, nearly beats him to a pulp. Uh, yeah, and, and right off the bat, you know, she gets off to a bad start with the rest of the team. Um, I Okay, before we get into, like, that reaction, I just want to say this is, like, not a story element or anything. This is, like, a, a grammatical thing, I think. On page 38 of the book, uh, Rachel's talking about um, clothes, of course. And, uh... She's, she's saying, why shouldn't I wear dresses? I have great legs. I can wear dresses and look good. The shorter lengths, the longer lengths, like, you know, with a slit or whatever. Why shouldn't I try the waif look? 
I mean, I can be a waif. Coleman, do you know what a waif is? Uh, just from Game of Thrones. What What did you gather about waif and that, that word specifically? Tell uh, me what you think the definition of waif is without Googling it, please. Without Googling it, I would say someone who's... Um, based on Rachel's description from the book, right? Is that what you're based yeah, I don't, on? Yeah, I have no idea, because honestly, in Game of Thrones, it's just somebody they call one of the characters. I have no idea. Okay, well, I'm a word guy. Kind of pride myself yeah. on it. So uh, this is a term I was unfamiliar with. I looked it up. I defined it. The definition of waif, W-A-I-F, is a homeless and helpless person, especially a neglected or abandoned child. Um, okay. And and that just to me does not go with what she's talking about here. She's talking about how she wants to make herself look prettier because she's got great legs. She wants to dress up to accentuate her body a little bit more. And the term waif, you know, means homeless, helpless, neglected. Uh, the idea or the image I get from that is a shabby looking homeless person, which is not really what she's talking about here. So I, I just I, it confused me, first of all, to the point that I actually looked it up and brought it up here. Because I don't think they used the term here properly. Um, and maybe, maybe it's some incredible meta joke that even Rachel, like this dumb Rachel, doesn't know the right word to use, right? She, she purposely is uses there, the, the wrong maybe, one. Is there a definition two, maybe? Like definition def- two is a law term that means a piece of property thrown away by a fleeing thief <laughs> and held by the state in a trust for the owner to claim. So that's not the uh, that's hey, not that's what she's talking about either. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a weird thing too. Uh, I just I like little grammatical things. I like poking fun at, at words and why they choose them. And I don't get this choice. Yeah, that's true. on page thirty eight, dear reader. If you want to chime in on that and be a grammar Nazi with me. Uh, hmm. otherwise, otherwise, uh, me and Rachel is, is really messing up their plans here and, uh, it's not going well for anybody. And then Eric shows up and Eric's inclusion in this book is just weird. Uh, the message they were going with him throughout his little subplot kind of, cause he comes back a couple of times and starts to hint at his little I'm jealousy of Rachel being I'm split. starting to think, I'm starting to think that there was actually an initiative going forward after like 25 to include Eric in every single book to make him more of a regular part of the team. But it's well, strange because he's not part of the team. He doesn't exactly. go on missions. He doesn't. So it's, it's just strange, but I feel like there was something from above Kay Applegate and Michael Grant really wanted him to be more of a presence and maybe become more of the core group. And I don't know. They just couldn't figure it out. You know what? I, I honestly, now it kind of hits me that they're they're afraid to include Axe as an Animorph. They're afraid to include Eric as an Animorph. Maybe the marketing team or the bigwigs at Scholastic just thought that detracting from the core group of human children would in some way make the series weaker or less relatable to young kids if they had to sit through two Alien Perspective books. Well, yeah, and, and think about how few axe books there are just in general so they definitely were restricting them a little bit uh yeah i don't know it's it's just another weird thing that i would really love to hear some clarification on like what which, went into those decisions which i think a book from eric's perspective would have been amazing oh god yeah you know it would have been if anyone else needed a chronicles book it would have been eric Especially the 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 time when he uh, released his limiter or whatever and went ballistic, or if he did it again and we got to see it from his perspective. No, what would be great is if we had a, a chronicles book 
of the entire history, not the entire history, but you know, everything that you know, she have been through. Yeah, like the the howlers showing up, the death of the Pemelites, uh, fleeing to Earth, the the real extinction of the Pemelites, like the last few dying off uh, on Earth, and then him trying to make a life and hide the chi and all this stuff, and have it peppered with flashbacks to the one night that he took the limiter off and it kept flashing back to it and it was like this personal thing he was dealing with while he's telling the story of his existence i mean come on that that'd be an amazing book yeah you know they had uh uh, slivers and ideas of premises that that really could have amounted to something but um this one i i think from here on out it, it falls a little flat um, this is, I, I remember, this is where I slowed down reading it because <laughs> that first part was so fun following me and Rachel, but this is where you get to see her really kind of break down and be a psychopath after, uh, uh, Eric shows up and, um, you know, he tells him about this new plot that the Yerks are working on this anti-morph ray, which I, we're, we're probably not going to go into talking a lot about here in this episode because it's so highly featured in the next one. But I'm going to say right off the bat, I think an anti-morph ray is a dumb idea. It's a really dumb idea, and it's obviously there just to be a MacGuffin. That's it. Well, that, and it sounds like, you know, again, the Scholastic marketing team or, or whoever's making these decisions is saying, the series is doing well, keep it going. And the Applegates are like, but we want to wrap up the plot. I just think like, they didn't. They did. They knew that the anti-morphide did not matter to this book, and so they, it's just like. So they brought they it up again lot. because they're like, "Hey, we could actually do something with that idea." I just think they didn't. They didn't care about it. It was the background to this to this book. You know, it wasn't important. So they didn't put a lot of thought into it. But sure, I, like you said, it was a reason for them to have a mission, basically. Yeah, I do love real quick before we end this chapter. I I love what Eric says at the end uh, where Rachel's just going crazy talking about bringing flamethrowers to the York pool uh, and going <laughs> sure. on their mission. Which might uh, but, actually not be such a bad idea. Yeah. But I love this line from Eric where he says, I got to stop hanging around with you people. You people are just strange. Just plain strange. Yeah. <laughs> just, just a good line at the end. Uh, it was pretty sweet. Um, well, after, uh, <laughs> Dealing with both of these Rachels, they, they kind of realize that they can't really do anything with them. Um, they, they, Rachel gives them a little bit of an explanation as to how this whole split occurred. There's a nice Goosebumps reference where uh, Rachel says, uh, I remember it was chilly. I had, like, Goosebumps. And Marcus says, I used to read those books. <laughs> yeah, which is crazy because the Goosebumps are still going strong. Oh yeah, they're they're running simultaneously with Goosebumps, so it's like nice little shout out. I, I wonder if R.L. Stein ever gave a uh, a shout out to Animorphs. I think he, he did. did. That, sure that whole book where the the character, the main character, was turning into a chicken. I think that was a uh, <laughs> shout out to Animorphs. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, uh, anyway. Yes. They they so they send both Rachels home, which I think is so stupid, and I think it's either lazy writing on Jake's part because Jake is like, oh, we can't use them, we'll go home, and he doesn't really do much. Um, but it also could be said that the last books took such a toll on him that at this point he's just like, whatever, two Rachels. Uh, he probably sees it honestly as a positive right now because he's like, good, one more soldier to help fight. Um, well, I mean, it seems to me like this is the. This is one thing that actually 
hurts the book a little bit in the sense that it's I think this is out of character for all of them to react to this is something supernatural something wrong something they don't understand that could seriously affect the group and they don't keep eyes on them they don't no yeah exactly lots of uh, they send them home which is the last thing they do anytime something's wrong with one of them or someone's morphing weird no exactly why didn't they get a chi on this to send them to why didn't they get all the cheese because they do get the cheese to to fill in for them later in the book why not right now for rachel while they figure this crap out i think this this is super out of character for the for the team Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and at home, uh, which, of course, it's going to go wrong. Mean Rachel decides that she's just going to go on mission anyway because, you know, they can't control her. She's all badass. And and I, this is where the start of the uh, other B-plot involving nice Rachel calling home or calling her daddy, um, who's, you know, off in another state. Um, and I think that's just where a lot of this book is squandered on this, the side plot involving Rachel's dad. Well, I think it was meant to show that different parts of you want different things. You know, she wants to come clean to somebody and it's like subconsciously she's, she misses her father and he was a big part of her life and he's not, I think they were trying to say something with this subplot. Yeah. Oh no, obviously I think it makes sense that, you know, like you said, one half of her would be so scared that she'd just want to call her daddy and she wants to like reveal everything to him about the Yurks and whatnot, um, which everybody knows is stupid. Um, and, uh, that's where that plot goes. However, we get me and Rachel, um, flying to join the team. She's in owl morph. It's at night. Um, and they're going to this buyer's research Institute, which is apparently a place that like tests out products. So think like, weird factory kind of place where like products are on display to be tested in I've various actually, corners. And I've been to one of these before. Really? Okay. Yeah. I, uh, well, good. Then, you had an idea to draw from then. <laughs> yeah. After college, um, you could go to these places and do like, not surveys, but, um, like psychological experiments on how you reacted to certain products and stuff and get paid for it. Uh, I did a few of those, um, this sounds really creepy and weird, but I, <laughs> no, I, I it's, knew tons it's, of people it who did sounds rad. Uh, <laughs> well, anyway, this is where we get the idea that this Rachel's just pure nuts, and she's not going to be as fun to follow as I had hoped because she, you know, goes crazy again, tries attacking a wild animal, and just kind of ends up like on the ground raging for a little while, and mm. uh, she goes to join the mission. Um, being reckless as she is, she hears an alarm going off. She goes battle morph as a grizzly. She's like driving around in a car, like running down people. And (laughs) she like just crashes onto the scene in the worst possible way. And she thinks she's doing really well in helping the team, but really she ruined the mission because they were the ones who set the alarm off. And, uh, we don't really get to see like anything other than her causing all this mayhem and, and crashing and joining in with the, the, the team. Cause then it cuts back to, to her going back home to see the nice Rachel again. And she's just like, man, nobody gets me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, and we skip a scene uh, that the book doesn't show us where Jake and all of them are like chewing her out. Well, yeah, um, she recounts what happened there. She's like, I saved him. And Jake's all like, you didn't do that. You didn't save us. You ruined the mission. <laughs> yeah. And she's pissed off about it. But anyway, um, 
the next day at school, it's well, a nice ritual. Oh, no, no. Um, is there more you want to talk about? Yeah. Uh, well, this is where the two Rachels are in confliction here. Um, and, and the nice Rachel has a nice long talk with her dad where it's really, she's just confusing him and he thinks she's on drugs and stuff. And, um, it's, you know, moderately amusing, but it was a full chapter, this phone conversation back and forth between them. And uh, this is, like I said, the part of the plot that I didn't care for. And, uh, it's, it's just felt like it slammed on the brakes here with this whole interruption. Um, but then that's where me and Rachel comes home and she's all pissed off about being chewed out by Jake and she wants to kill him. Yeah. They and might then, have tried yeah. to do a bit much uh, with, with multiple side plots with one character in the same book. Exactly. And and I do like, though, they, they take her to school in the next uh, chapter. It's nice Rachel who goes to school instead of me and Rachel. And right off the bat, Marco's like, so purely hypothetical, he whispered. Me and Rachel goes with Tobias, right? And you think I'm cute, right? And she's like, what? So he's still, you know, priority number one is hitting on her, basically. Um, and that's where I think her and, and Tobias, or him and Tobias differ, is like, he's wanting to hit on her. Tobias is kind of a no-show. I think he's really creeped out by the whole scenario. And it's weird that he doesn't do a little bit more or take a bigger part in trying to get her back together. Yeah, I mean, it, it might say something about their relationship in the sense that... Tobias you know, is probably freaked out by her at this point. Yeah, how about to you'd think Tobias would be standing by her side or trying desperately to bring the the real Rachel back or, or do something, but he's more like once he sees how she acts and and what's happened, he's kind of just like, whatever, I don't have time for this. Yeah, I don't know. He's he's definitely he kind of just being gives weird. her the cold shoulder, and it's weird. They could have they could have had a much better subplot with her and Tobias instead of her calling her dad or whatever. Um. Mm-hmm. I, I will point out my listeners and my co-host who you probably didn't even notice on page 94 of this book spelling error. Uh, <laughs> I, I believe because the, the place it pops up is in a line of dialogue uh, where Rachel says the others would probably never accept me as long as my simpy twin was around. Uh, that's I think wimpy, but with an S <laughs> are you like, vying for an editor job over Scholastic or something? What's you know what? I hope somebody at Scholastic takes notice of my eagle eye for this <laughs> kind of work. Uh, you're getting it for free from me, Scholastic, okay? I don't know why you're paying somebody so much. You're getting it free from me. Uh, where was I? See, these things just now we're talking about from the plot. <laughs> now it's the, the Eric jealousy moment, right? Well, sure. This is where, uh, you know, it's after school now and, and they, they're back at the barn and Rachel's hiding out in Flymorph to kind of observe the meeting. And uh, Eric shows up and, yeah, he, he hints or he talks about how he's jealous that Rachel's able to split herself and send all the bad stuff out to do what needs to be done. Um, which I, you know, I thought was a weird thing that they put in time for an observation from him. Um, when, when they could have been making better use of the, the page time to develop some of the other plot tangents we were talking about. To me, it sounds like the Howler book and then this book would have both been more interesting if, if Eric had become a real Animorph and gotten his own books. Like, both of those perspectives. If, if Eric was going around, like, dealing with 
the idea of like sending all the bad parts away from you and like this thing he's wanted for centuries and in the background the animorphs were dealing with this wacky plot about the anti-morphine ray and and two rachels and all this stuff like it's it almost it almost seems like um like he was going to become a regular with sure. his books. Yeah, and, and you know what? It. Here's what I would love. This is this is hashtag I want that book territory right here. Because uh Marco says this is this is when they're coming up with their plan, by the way, to to infiltrate the place. Uh Eric's like, you know, I've got my Chi team filling in for you guys at home so you can do this mission tonight. Marco groaned. I hate it when we do that. The chi who plays me always cleans my room. I can never find anything. Um, <laughs> just an offhand comment, but oh my god, I want that book where we get to see you know the chi pretending to be all the animorphs and and doing things that they just hate, like cleaning Marco's room or I don't know uh, uh, Rachel's Rachel doing something with her sisters that <laughs> she doesn't do, like dress up like princesses or something like. We could see little hilarious human moments from the Chi, non-humans, trying to play humans. Like, it would be so brilliant. And uh, that that whole thing's kind of squandered. Yeah, it's, it's a shame. Hashtag, I'm, bring I'm back right. the Chi. Hashtag, entire series rewritten from the Chi's perspective. <laughs> right. Um, so uh, they, they briefly talk about, like, trying to get the Rachels back together again. But uh, me and Rachel flips out and, you know, demorphs and, like, tries to kill everybody, especially Marco. This is where she, like, actually takes him hostage here. Yeah, and then um, Jake punches out his cousin. Oh, yeah, I, I you know, I, I kind of like that. She takes out, uh, she has Marco hostage, and she's, like, making demands, and Jake is just kind of like, okay, what do you want, you know? And then just sucker punches her out of nowhere. You can tell he's so fed up with dealing with, like, anything that's not Yerk and their survival related that he's like two Rachel's whatever. Boom. Knock her out. I'm sick of dealing <laughs> with this already. Um, she calms down a little bit and, uh, they, they end the meeting and send, uh, nice Rachel home. And, um, this is, this is where it gets kind of dumb where she like actively tries to sneak out to go meet her dad. And I think the, uh, the, the, latter half of this book is halted a little bit by this subplot i think it's interesting though when she goes to meet her dad um he's only got a short time that he's gonna be in town he's like flying off to central america or something yeah and, but um, it's it's very much the same as the previous chapter where they had their weird conversation on the phone because they continue to have a weird conversation that's confusing to, to her dad and then Mean Rachel shows up in the middle of it, and they swap out comically. And then Mean Rachel's just a total flat-out douche, and I don't approve of the way her dad handled the conversation. And it, it just, it really went nowhere. It got weird. Um, it was not my favorite part of the book. I, I think you got a little bit of that um, parent trap uh, humor in this scene. Sure. And then, and then, yeah, and her dad's not a, you can tell, like, from he, the way he's been depicted in the series, he does not have his priorities right. He's not that great of a father. And uh, I think they were showcasing that a little bit in this scene. Sure. Maybe. Maybe I I under-analyzed it or analyzed it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, either way, it really doesn't do anything because, yeah, he skedaddles and then both Rachels go their separate ways. Um, they do go back to the barn, though, where uh, Jake is like seriously trying to plan this mission without things going wrong 
And he's like, God dang it, we need nice Rachel for it. We need one Rachel. And it makes more sense to take the nice one than the crazy volatile one that wants to kill us all. I like how they, um, in the scene, though, there's two things they do really well. Um, A, they they know she's probably in there listening. Yeah, at that point, they suspect it. And B, they bring up David. They bring up David and how scary it is another Animorph being out there. I think this is not the same situation, because even if Mean mean Rachel wants to kill them all or hurt them, uh, she's, she's too all over the place to really focus enough to be a threat you know yeah as they point out you know she can't work with the yurks and join them she's too unstable for that so it'd never work out on her own and it's a cool throwback to mention david sure yeah um however i will say it's immediately made stupid when their ideas like we can't take her with us we can't send her home she's not gonna listen so they leave her unconscious at cassie's barn which uh, they didn't even try to restrain her. Of course, I mean, they didn't well, really need how to. Do you, how do you restrain an Animorph? No, I know, I know. They specifically say we can't restrain her, but the best idea they came up with was, well, let's just leave her here and cover her with a blanket. <laughs> well, because there's literally nothing else they can do. There, there really isn't. They can't, Eric can't restrain her because he tried at one point and said that if the person could hurt themselves while he's holding them, then that would defeat his programming so okay like, yeah like, so she could if they tried to restrain her she could self-mutilate and then you know yeah and then they let go. His, yeah so th- there's literally nothing they can do sure until they sure the they basically just were like okay whatever we got a head start let's get on this mission let's go 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 yeah and uh it, it's just kind of dumb because they do this mission they're like following these trucks so they're flying overhead nice rachel has a really hard time morphing because she's so cowardly and it's annoying because it just keeps coming up and that's all she can think about. And I guess it's kind of like going back to the first time they morphed and they were like really nervous and scared about doing a new morph. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's similar to that, except it's the Rachel, you know, that we know has all this experience, but she can't draw from it. So she's really frightened. And even though it's a very simple mission, something they've done many times before, they land on top of a, a moving vehicle and like demorph and remorph. Um, which she ends up doing because Jake is able to talk her through it all. Uh, however, once they end up in Roach Morph, um, they, they, the car that they're hitching a ride on, uh, it was a Yerk decoy or whatever, and they end up getting gassed and knocked out and, and captured, essentially. And, uh, this other end part is, oh my god, hashtag Visor 3 can't use boxes. <laughs> he's not to use them. Visor three he's terrible with them. Can't, can't capture a damn thing uh, because ironic, they end up ironic that he's so obsessed with cats, but doesn't know what to do with boxes. Uh, yeah, uh, a wee bit that, and just you know, not learning how to use transparent boxes properly. Oh man, right? They get some glass up in the Yurk Empire. They they would move mountains. They haven't discovered it yet. They don't know how to, you know, like melt down the sand into actual glass. They can't form that. Um, or you just gotta come on, K Applegate. You're working in sci-fi here. You just mix two words together, and then you've got something that works. Transparasteel. Boom. Sci-fi. Exactly. <laughs> the collegian gamat viewing window. <laughs> um, whatever. 
No, they don't do that. So instead, what happens here is we've got me and Rachel, nice Rachel, uh, trapped together in a small space. Um, because, of course, me and Rachel, she wakes up. She manages to quite easily track the, the team and she follows the truck. She also uh, infiltrates as a hork Um She gets inside. She ends up trapped in the same room with them. And Jake, at this point, just kind of like goes silent and plays dead and leaves Mean Rachel and Nice Rachel to kind of work together and figure things out. And uh, it works, you know, better than it should and better than it has any reason to other than that they needed to wrap up the book. Could have gone Um, really bad. But it, it shows that the two sides of Rachel need each other. And they're able to work together, sort of, to come up with a plot to trick Visor 3. And it goes to show how stupid Visor 3 is for falling for something like this. Um, Because, you know, these two sides that hate each other have to work together. Um, Again, tinfoil hat theory. Let's pull back to that. This is Rachel finally coming to her senses. She was never split in half, but she's got to, like, reconcile her, her rage along with her, like, ability to strategize and think and uh you know this is the fight club moment where it's like tyler durden doesn't exist well what me, you, me and rachel doesn't exist what was great <laughs> about this what i think is actually good about this book um is is the concept you're talking about is in the book it's not necessarily like someone made up that she's seen around but the fact that she's the whole point of this ending scene and what's actually i think good about it is that um when the two halves of Rachel's brain come together and work together, they, they form Voltron. With, they, <laughs> they come up with a plan and a way of getting out of their situation that the actual Rachel, like their personalities combined, even though they're in separate bodies combined, they become the real Rachel for a few minutes. And that's, that's, I thought that was really interesting how that was written. Um, it is kind of because the plot that they use to sort of get their way out of this is that uh, one of the Rachel's sort of, you know, communicates with Visor 3 while the other one sneaks in Flymorph inside of his ear and then threatens to demorph and kill them both. Um, Where this goes stupid is that, again, it's not a transparent room or box that uh, they're trapped in. Visor 3 is somehow able to communicate with them from outside the room, but he cannot see inside the room. They suspect that maybe he can, but they still go through the trouble of demorphing and remorphing um, and it's never called out, so it's assumed that, yeah, Visor 3 couldn't see inside the room while they were doing that. Uh, and then, of course, as soon as they threaten to kill themselves, or herself, uh, he comes in, he actually enters the room, and this allows the other uh, Rachel to get inside his ear as a fly. Um, so it's just, it's, it's a little bit wrapped up quickly and kind of dumb, but through threatening all their lives, they get out of the situation, Visor 3 drops them off, and they're able to, you know, get away. I would um, argue that Visor 3 is dumb, and that's why this is dumb. <laughs> I would argue that they just really needed to wrap up a wildly incoherent plot, and, and you know, this is one of the best ways that they could have done it. Um, and as soon as they get away from all this trouble, Jake is like, hey, I was here all along. Ha-ha. My plan was to make you work together. <laughs> you know? He's like, it was my plan all along. He was also nearly dying. <laughs> Sure, yeah, I think he got squished. Uh, he was underneath a Horkbajir foot for a while as as a, you know, squished no, he roach. No, he got squished by one of the Rachels. Yeah, that's what I said. Was, she was, yeah, yeah. was Horkbajir at the time. Um, oh, yeah. Well, anyway, uh, they they get out of the whole kerfluffle, and uh, both the Rachels end up back with everybody at the barn. 
they they've discovered, you know, that they need each other and they begrudgingly accept that the idea that they have to be put back together. Now, okay. I don't know about you, Coleman, or you, listener, but when you read the premise of this book, when you understand that the plot is going to be because of a starfish morph, they were cut in half and separated, your mind, at least my mind, immediately goes to the fix for that. How are they going to get out of this situation? How is the status quo going to be returned to normal by the end of this book? And I will say, I think this book fell short in delivering the solution. Um, I, I, I didn't see this whole, uh, well, I'm kind of disappointed actually that I didn't even think that they would acquire each other. Um, that never, that idea never entered my mind. Um, so that was a good surprise, I guess. But the way that Eric is involved and sort of just like electro mushes them together while they're morphing each other, uh, uh, makes any sort of sense is, is very ludicrous. I thought the solution would have involved both of them morphing back to starfish and then like, uh, uh, you know, being mushed together like that way and then demorphing at the same time at the same pace, uh, into the same person. Like I thought that was going to be the solution. So this whole electro mush, if we can call it, uh, uh, came out of nowhere to me. Yeah, and uh, I mean, they could have gone really dark with it. Like, what if they both? What if one of them needed to die to to make the other one whole? One hundred percent. Like, what if they both morphed back to starfish, and then they cut both starfish in half, and they took one half from each starfish, and like sewed it back together, destroyed it. No, no, they threw one half of each starfish into a fire and incinerated it, and then they merged the other two. They like held them together and was like. Demorph, demorph now. That's at the same like, pace. They found a way. They found a way to make one half of that work, and then they just had to like get rid of the other two. <laughs> that would have been super dark. <laughs> no, 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 no. They had to make both Rachels learn the fusion dance from Dragon Ball Z and perform <laughs> it perfectly to fuse back into the same Rachel. And they do it wrong once and end up as Fat Rachel. <laughs> Which makes no That's sense gonna, if you don't, if you don't get subset. if you don't get Dragon Ball Z references. It makes subset no of a subset of our fan base. Um <laughs> which is the way I want this podcast to be. Okay, so that's that's the end of this book, okay? That's the solution. That's how everything is reset back to normal. Um the, the end of the book there, let's talk about why the Applegates themselves came back and thought this was a good idea to do this book. When when it was like we're not going to we're not going to try and advance the plot or really uh, uh, you know give any characters closure or anything like that. This is a, a weird, wacky sci-fi. Uh, uh, I thought examination of Rachel and the two sides of her. So I think that I think the I think there's two reasons they could have come back. I think uh, one of them is that they couldn't find a ghostwriter in time for the next book, and they were. It's sure, just, you know, they, scheduling they getting, conflict. Sure. Yeah, they were getting used to these ghost writers, and it didn't happen again in the future because you know they made the mistake once of not having someone, and so they actually had to write this book themselves or just not have a book out. So um, I think that's a possibility. Or um, 
they came up with the idea of really delving into the ideas of like someone's personality and these different personalities, like you said, and, and wanted to showcase that in the book where they got the idea. And I think what a lot of this book is based off of is what they've said in the past where they get a lot of their stories from star Trek. And I think wanting to do that classic sci-fi trope of a good and evil version of a person. I think that's why they wrote this book. Or at least came up with the idea. Yes, for it. and and like I said before, it was a lot of fun uh, reading, and I imagine writing this evil, mean Rachel character. She's got a lot of good scenes, particularly in the beginning, where we're just discovering how nasty she is. Um, where it starts to lose me, and I think they did this deliberately because they don't want to make you know this type of person or this type of personality seem like it's fun. Um, cause they show her explicitly like writhing on the ground, screaming and just barking madness. And yeah. that's done, I think, to really draw to the, the point that, uh, this kind of personality cannot function on its own. Well, like, let's go ahead all. and jump. Let's go ahead and jump into our reviews. And I, no, like no, 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 Be- no. Before the reviews, uh, okay. there is a, a mention from Seropedia about, uh, specifically the, uh, it's a statement from Catherine Applegate about why they did this book. Um, and here's what she had to say about the idea um, and trying to develop Rachel's character. I'd admit, I stole this from the original Star Trek, yes. except, of course, that they stole it from Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Um, it was really fun to write, and I was advancing my view of Rachel as the warrior who comes to need war. So, official statement right there from, from Applegate. And that's a very short, I think, summary of of but I guess right. why they did it. I, I think she could actually talk more at length or, or we could at least <laughs> talk with her about at length about this idea and mm-hmm. where it could have developed. And oh, I didn't even I didn't get to throw out my cool idea, my hashtag I want that book. Where yeah. instead of uh uh this evil Rachel being uh you know unable to to function on her own, I like the idea of this starts a whole new arc similar to the David arc where we get an evil Rachel and we get a good Rachel, not, not like wimpy, like, you know, stupid Rachel, like a good one. And then that's the Rachel we get for the next couple books. Uh, whereas evil Rachel goes off on her own and becomes a foil to the Animorphs. And I thought it'd be super awesome if she even went as far as to steal the blue box. Cause she should probably know at least some of the location. I think they all said that they, they hit apart separately so that, you know, they, they didn't have the whole box together, but, um, she could find a way around that. I think it'd be really cool to see an evil Rachel take the blue box, go off on her own and make the evil Animorphs who become a foil to the team for like the next couple of books. Uh, that could have been a really fun tangent. Yeah. And uh, that's just my take on it. Um, they do, you know, reference Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde in the book, and uh, that's obviously their primary uh, uh, inspiration for it. But, okay, yeah, let's jump into the book reviews. Coleman, did you say you wanted me to go first? I did. Okay, well, uh, my feelings are extremely mixed. If you hadn't uh, been able to gather or grasp, I had a lot of fun when I started reading the book. Uh, a lot of parts of it confused me. Um, talking about it here with you, I, I think it's been a lot of fun to uh, raise a lot of questions about this plot, um, like why they did it, uh, why they didn't take it in so many different other routes. We talked about a lot of things we liked about this, which is uh, you know the good character moments it gave us between 
uh, uh, Rachel and Marco or, or even Rachel, you know, flipping out on Jake. Cause this is not the first time that the two are going to be at ends with each other throughout the series. They're going to develop on that. They, they put a lot of ideas out here that they're going to develop on later, but for the most part in this book, it all felt, uh, rather rushed and ultimately like it, like it didn't change a thing. Um, the characters, I think a lot of them acted very out of character for themselves. Marco is more interested in trying to get a date and hook up with her than really trying to piece anything together. Cassie was immediately very cold and distant to, uh, both Rachel's, um, even the nice one, which I thought she could maybe get along with, but no, very, uh, very distant Cassie for some reason. I think she's going through some stuff. Things aren't going well with her and Jake in the background. So maybe that showed a little bit here. Um, Tobias, like I said, very distant, almost a no-show through the through this book. Why wasn't he more active? Um, Ac- or Eric's weird inclusion, uh, I felt like being squandered. Um, oh, man, overall, I-, I think you get the idea. If you haven't read this book, you don't really need to. Um, it doesn't do anything new for us. Uh, this, this, I'm really going back and forth, honestly, between a one and a two for this one. But when I think back to the previous book, The Conspiracy, which I gave a two, um, I, I don't know if that was a better book than this one or not, but I, I think that one at least tried to do a little bit more to advance the plot somewhat. Um, whereas this one felt like a, a sidetrack, a diversion. This was the plot, uh, the book where the Applegates had been told, you need to keep this series going for at least 20 more books. And they were like, fine, screw it. We're doing the stupid ideas. And <laughs> they just did it. So, uh, for that, for that, I gotta say, I'm sorry. This, this book gets a one, a one out of five worthless meaningless stupid starfish morphs ah go <laughs> go wow wow i've uh, you've not given out a lot of ones so that's that's really surprising and uh, i thought we'd actually be a little closer on this one but i guess i guess not and i'm i know this might be another time where you're like you question whether i came up with my review score um now or or before but i've actually been thinking this since tuesday uh, really what score I'd give it and how contentious this might end up. But uh, knowing that this book is one that people hate, um, I went in with really low expectations. Um, and I got to say, dude, I, I really loved it. I really, really enjoyed this book. You're insane. Um, I know, I know. And I'm, I'm, I'm saying that I'm, I know I'm in the uh, outsider opinion on this. But... Um, the tone of this book is really weird. It almost feels like it's going for like this wacky mentality. And it took me a while to, to get on board with it. But once I did, um, I started seeing the, the things they actually put their blood, sweat and tears in like the beginning of the book, the way it's written, how, uh, it doesn't want to reveal that you're actually, each chapter is now switching between the personalities and the little hints, uh, that it, it writes in there to, uh, try to sway you away from that. Um, no, sure. We didn't, we didn't mention how, yeah, each, uh, chapter, um, after the split is, is labeled, you know, me and Rachel, nice Rachel to yeah. help you know which the Rachel's first, head you're The in. first couple aren't though. They're not labeled. Sure. No, cause you haven't figured that. it out by that point. Yeah. I thought that was really a really cool concept. Um, I think, uh, like you were talking about Tobias and Cassie um, being cold and distant in this book, I think that was super intentional and how um, it was showing that this wasn't Rachel to them. Either person, nice Rachel or mean Rachel, they're 
the closest to her. And these are people. Yeah, and they straight up like. abandon her. Hey, this is my review. Keep I don't care. We've out. jumped into each other's reviews before. Very little do we. But fine, I'm going to the bathroom. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the fact that, that they're distant her because this is not Rachel to them. They know her better than anyone, and these two versions of her are people they don't like. I think they were trying to say something very real about our personalities and who we are. And um, specifically, I think the concept that they deal with in the later half of the book, which um, we didn't talk about in our summer either, is that uh, Mean Rachel is having uh, really, really big problems with thinking ahead or planning anything out. Whereas um, Nice Rachel is having a lot of problems with her short-term memory. So they, I think they did do some research into like how our brains work, and, and they wanted to say some very specific things. And when I started reading this book from the tone of something like Star Trek doing its classic uh, good and evil storyline of like evil Spock and, and good Spock, um, that's something I, I love that this book is now part of the series because I see Animorphs as a very classic kind of sci-fi setting, just in a little more realistic tone in some areas. And uh, in this book, the fact that they have a book that's going into that that evil doppelganger uh, sci-fi trope is amazing. I think it makes the series to have this book in here and and, and really matters to me. Hashtag uh, negamorphs. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I really, really enjoyed this book. And, and there are some simple concepts. There are, like, the MacGuffin. Like, there are things that aren't that great. Uh, but I th- I really I feel like I was really smelling what they were stepping in with this book. And uh, I, it, it really, I, I, I enjoyed it. I really liked it. And uh, I had to knock it down. Even though I, I really liked it, I had to knock it down a point because this book doesn't matter to the over- mythology. And that's a big issue with me. Uh, as far as exactly, yeah, that, that get matters. to it. What's your number? Uh, I'm gonna give this uh, four out of five smelly tiding pools, and I know that's high, but what? I, what? I really liked it. I really liked four. this book. Oh my god, no, no, I'm, I'm you're, not you're, just you're I, reading too much into it. Coleman. I know, seriously, I, I honestly think they wrote these with this intention, and not i i think it's i'm sorry i'm the more pessimistic uh i know type where i think it was more like a marketing uh push for them to keep going and and they had this idea uh, perhaps scrawled on a napkin tucked in a drawer somewhere and and, and we're like oh here's one thing we could do to kind of but, but see like I, I disagree with that because there are so many really funny, really well-written scenes. And if they were just phoning it in and were angry while they were reading this book, I don't think the book would have been as as well-written. And I No, 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 no. I'm not saying that they phoned anything in or tried any less with this book than they normally did. I, I think they're professionals and they're on point with the writing. Uh, a, a lot of the, the best moments from this book, I thought, were the writing and the comedy aspects of it. And, like, you're you're getting all excited about with all this, uh, oh, it could have meant this, but it could have been that. Um, th- that was all extremely well done. I, I just think, overall, uh, it's it's not... I'll admit, I'm looking well, less Well, listen the, to my review, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm looking less at the, the plot of the book, the anti-morphine ray, things like that. That that was pretty much garbage. But I think there were enough, like, really funny, really good scenes, um, and there were enough... There was enough of that background thought. Maybe you think I'm looking into it too far, but I, I think I know they're writing enough to know what's interesting to them with each book and what their focus is. 
And I think all of that stuff was here and it was intentional. And, um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I really liked it enough to give it a four, which is crazy to me. I, I, I recognize that that's crazy, but that's, okay. I, I have to give it that. Okay. Well, my final thought then on the matter and, and to try and justify my one is that it's a throwaway book. That's it. It's a throwaway that's, book. And that's don't, true. Don't bother if you're, if you're serious about, you know, rereading the series and you don't really want it to take so long. Don't worry about this one, guys. Don't worry about it. Honestly, I would I would say if you're just trying to do a reread through the series and you want to get to 54 as fast as possible, you could skip this one. Absolutely. But I think this is a great rainy day. Haven't read Animorphs in a while. Just want to just read one out of random a random story. I think this one would fit perfectly fine in that. I think it's interesting. I think it's well. I think it's good. You know what? You know what else is interesting? I think. Uh, my original rating uh, for this book was was five stars. You know, just uh, like every uh, starfish has five points, so too did my rating <laughs> until uh, uh, somebody came along with a, a shovel and severed uh, all four limbs away. <laughs> so we were left with a starfish, a one-pointed starfish, and that's what this book is. It's a okay. one-point starfish. Fair, fair uh, enough. I, I will say... After this, moving on to uh, better things. We've got a Tobias book coming up, and it's been a while since we've seen good old Toby. What's he been up to? Uh, this one, I, I think, is uh, one I haven't read. I'm really excited about it because it's one where somebody finally came up with the idea of we should acquire Axe. <laughs> Why yeah, hadn't they thought of I, it until now? From from what I know of this book, I haven't read it either. Um that's gonna be that's gonna be an argument. That's gonna be something that really um, splits Tobias and Axe apart for a little bit, in the sense that um, Axe is not cool with this idea at all. And I think oh, it's, sure. it definitely goes to his roots as an Andalite on uh, why that might be. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Exactly. Yeah, I, I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. This is um, book 33, and boy, we are just barreling towards the end of the series now. Um, largely in part, I think due to the success of our Patreon. Yeah, I think we're going to get through a lot faster and have more content than you expect even after we finish with the series, thanks to our Patreon. So uh, really, really appreciate that. We've also gotten a few new ratings on uh, iTunes. They didn't have written reviews with them, so that's why there's no reason to read it. But um, we did get a few more ratings on iTunes. I really appreciate that, guys. That really helps new people discover the show and support us, and that's also going to make us uh, put out episodes as quickly as you can listen to them. So... Uh, thank you, everybody. Check out our Facebook, um, Twitter, at MorphCast. Uh, we're always on r slash Animorphs on Reddit. If you want to check us out there and talk about the show, post every new episode on there and have a big discussion. And, uh, yeah, just really looking forward to the next couple of books and coming up to Visor, uh, the Visor of Ruck Chronicles, which is one of my favorite books of all time. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. We've we got better things to come, for sure. Yep, so... That's our podcast. That's our episode. Thank you guys for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, We'll see you next time. Join us, please. Until then, I have been your host, Mitchell. And I've been Coleman. Coleman.